Before we get into another episode of the Jude 3 Project podcast, we want to say thank you to all our listeners. We appreciate your prayers, support, and encouragement. We also want to send a special thanks to our monthly financial partners. We could not do what we do without you. We have been able to equip college students at historically black colleges and universities and facilitate seminars for pastors and leaders because of your financial support. If the Jude 3 Project has been a blessing to you, please consider becoming a monthly partner. No gift is too small or large, whether you give one time or monthly. We appreciate it. You can give online at jude3project.com by hitting the donate button or by mail by sending your gift to Jude 3 Project at P.O. Box 26206, Jacksonville, Florida, 32226. Thanks again. Now let's join the Jude 3 Project podcast. Enjoy. Hello, welcome to the Jude 3 Project podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Fields. I'm the founder of the Jude 3 Project. watching another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. As always, I'm your host, Lisa Fields, the founder of the Jew 3 Project. And before we start, if just in case I'm sniffling or you hear me cough, I'm trying to get over a cold. So I uh, just want to apologize beforehand. Uh, but today we have a very special guest, Dr. Philip Pointer. Welcome, Dr. Pointer. Hey, thanks for having me. It's my joy to be with you guys. Thank you uh, for agreeing to be on the podcast. I'm excited uh, to talk to you today. But before we start, just give our audience just a little bit about yourself. Uh, so I am a, uh, a preacher. <laughs> that's my uh, that's that's my calling and identity. Born in Port Arthur, Texas, raised in D.C. I now uh, pastor in Little Rock, Arkansas, the St. Mark Baptist Church, uh, a wonderful uh, community of people who uh, are seeking to grow in their uh, discipleship of Jesus Christ and to share the good news uh, in word and, and in demonstration. So uh, I'm excited to be a part of what God is doing there at St. Mark right now. That's awesome. That's awesome. Today, we want to talk about equipping the church. Um, And I know this is something uh, that you are passionate about just from following you on social media. I saw that you were leading uh, your church in a, I think it was a Bible study or something about equipping and to defend the faith and knowing what you believe. Kind of what made you want to do that uh, for your for your congregation? Well, uh, obviously, it's a biblical exhortation. Uh, uh, Jude tells us we are to contend for the faith. Uh, and then uh, Peter says we're to always be ready to give an answer uh, for the reason uh, for the faith that we have. And so that's um, that's the the uh, impetus for me biblically. Uh, but uh, within my context, uh, I have a lot of uh, young adults, especially who are uh, friends with uh, related to uh people who have um, just basically been caught up in bad history. uh, And because they have uh, uh, been caught up in this bad history, then they are questioning the veracity of scripture, the stories about Jesus, whether they're stolen and those kinds of things. Uh, It's also a great pain for me to see. And, uh, you know, I try to, uh, I try not to argue on social media, uh, but to see Christians post about things like karma. um, So that's a great misunderstanding 
uh, in and among us. And then people don't recognize many of the things uh, that are presented as Christianity are really just new age concepts. Uh, so being able to to give people a, a clear view of what uh, what scripture is, what biblical faith looks like uh, and how we can uh, explain that, defend that um, and ultimately seek to win souls uh, who are either confused in terms of their history or confused in terms of uh, the clear lines between what Christian biblical faith is and what things like New Ageism uh, and that that type of system of belief is. That's awesome. I think that's that's very important. And, and you mentioned karma um, and people kind of equate it to uh, sowing and reaping. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah. So they 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 they're like, but it, they use language like energy. Right. Um, how have you been able to help people navigate the difference? Um, help them understand that this is not sowing and reaping is not uh, karma. Right. Yeah, I mean it's 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 putting the Bible in its context. I mean, so a, 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 the idea of sowing and reaping that most people like to use, you know, Galatians six and seven, be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever person sows, that person will also reap. Is not talking about doing wrong in any way. It's actually talking about giving. It's it's a passage on giving to uh, the persons who teach you uh, scripture. So that's uh, uh, it's putting it's teaching text in context um, and understanding. One of the things that we did when we talked about karma in our study was the history of it, and and uh, of course Buddhist. Uh, believe in it, but it requires reincarnation. Karma doesn't even work in this life. Uh, the person has to uh, be reborn in another life uh, in order for the karma to, to get back at them. And uh, generally speaking, when we use something like karma, you know, you deal, then what is the psychology of it? Why do we want karma? Why do we wish karma on others? It's really vengeance is what you're after, uh, which is antithetical to uh, the Christian view that that God says, vengeance is mine. Uh, so wishing karma or negative karma or bad karma on others uh, essentially seeks to take vengeance from, from God. Uh, and so those kinds of things, and, and you know, you get people say, Pastor, I never thought about it like that. I never, I never knew all of these constituent elements. You know, they see a meme and it sounds good and it resonates, you know, it plucks a string in their heart uh, that, that they resonate with. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, it's 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 coming back to the Bible. Let's come back to the Bible. Let's not be pastored by social media. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's let Scripture be our guide in terms of thinking, think and feel. Mm-hmm. And it's important that uh, I love that you mentioned memes and not letting memes be your guide because for so many, they their life is based upon memes. So the mm-hmm. meme takes uh, the meme takes president over scripture because that's what they're feeding themselves. Um, are you seeing that a lot with younger? I know you've seen it a lot with younger people. Are you seeing it with older people? Cause I've seen older people sure. uh, yeah. take that. That's yeah. been in the church all their life. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, so uh, it's not, it's not age specific. Uh, I, I mentioned my young people because they're the ones who are, have a, a heightened sense of curiosity in my context uh, and who are, are really enjoying and benefiting from the study we're doing. Our, our older saints are also, um, but yeah, it's not age restricted at all. I mean, people are, that stuff sounds good. You know, one of the things I say to my church all the time is I wish that stuff was good. I, I, I wish it was right. You know, I wish I could decree and declare and put forth such force of energy that I would attract to me millions of dollars. I wish that were true. 
And one day you might become a millionaire, but it's not gonna be because you attracted it via energy. You're gonna make good investments or you're gonna start a business. Something is going, it might happen in your life, but it's not gonna be because of, of energy and those kinds of things. So, uh, so that's, uh, you know, again, coming back to the Bible is the idea. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it shows us in culture how self-centered we are because nobody's wishing those things for other people or going to the hospital and wishing people were well. Yeah. <laughs> wishing themselves uh, good. Um, if it worked, why don't you use it in places where it there's complete devastation? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a, it's, it's a, again, heightened, you know, I think the greatest issue within the church context today is that sense of individualism. So the church went from the Acts 2 model, which was community, uh, through church history, it, it morphed negatively, not not all of the church, but certainly a great large percent of the church morphed from community to institution. And so if, I mean, that lasted all the way through the, through the 20th century uh, institution. So from community in Acts to institution, from probably uh, the Holy Roman Empire through the 20th century, and now it's moved from institution to individual. So I am my own individual, personal and private theologian, uh, all things point back to me. It's the height of idolatry. And um, and we just couch it in, in some uh, poorly used scripture and, and biblical terminology uh, and sometimes not so biblical terminology like the karma and the energy. Uh, but the idea is that I want to be happy. I want to be fulfilled um, when Happiness happens sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. Fulfillment comes through finding uh, purpose and faith in the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and living that out in community. And so that I think our challenge is to bring us back from individualism. Let's leap over institutionalism. <laughs> let's get back to community. Let's let's get back to that original uh, idea of what what Christ left with those apostles in Acts chapter two. You mentioned something that I think is prevalent among a lot of uh, young adults is searching, living your life, searching for happiness mm -hmm. um, when God never promised us happiness. But he did say he, you would have joy. Can you share a little bit of the difference between happiness and joy for those who are struggling and spending their whole life trying to find this place of happiness? Yeah, happiness is about happenings. It's about what happens and um, things happen. Life happens. Things happen that you will enjoy and and feel good about, and you'll have happiness. And then things happen um, that you won't feel good about, and and you'll be unhappy because of what's happening. Joy is a is a is a fruit of the spirit. It is what's given to us as we cultivate a spiritual life um, as followers of Christ. Devotion, um, uh, purpose, ministry, living our lives to the glory of God gives us a deep, abiding sense of joy. No matter what's happening, it's 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 a it's a yieldedness uh, to allow the Holy Spirit to to determine our disposition, no matter what's going on. Uh, and so, in that case, uh, and in those ways, we can experience the joy of the Holy Spirit, the joy that the Bible calls unspeakable and full of glory. Uh, you know, happiness is generally determined by what's external. You know, uh, and that's. It's it the externals are shifting and beyond our control in many ways. Uh, so we just they are going to be what they're going to be, but that doesn't have to determine our disposition. Uh, 
Joy can be our abiding disposition despite what's happening around us. Uh, and so I see a lot of young adults. I, I you know, one of my one of my great um, issues in St. Mark is that my young adults again searching for happiness. They're, they're in constant transition, in, in, in constant search mode for the thing, for the for the job that's going to do it, for the relationship that's going to do it, to live in the city that's going to do it, and they're you know so there's no contentment. And that that's what's really going to keep you unhappy. And unless you find contentment with things as they are, then you'll never you'll never have joy and you'll be mostly unhappy is my, my thing. That's a good word. I know that was kind of a deviation from uh, the, the topic. But since you hit on that, I was like, I, I know that there's a lot of young adults struggling with that. So uh, mm-hmm. I appreciated you sharing that word. What are the challenges you see in your context, in your church context, and growing up uh, in in the black church, um, being the issues that we face the most as it relates to apologetics? Yeah, I think um, I think we allow false teachers and um, and confused theologians and bad historians to be louder than we are. So they're loud, they're aggressive, they're out there. You know what I mean? They they they're posting constantly. They are they are public with their uh I would call heresy. Uh very very conspicuous, very very uh confident with it. I mean, they are I mean loud with what we used to call loud and wrong. They are loud and wrong. And I think I think believers because we have not always and of course this is not universal some churches have consistently taught their people uh, the reasonableness of our faith um, but in african-american community that, had, that hasn't always been the case and i don't think it's been the case in any uh church community really i think all um biblical believers have allowed especially in the west we've allowed the fact that for so long um the Bible was assumed as an authority to rob us of the responsibility or to cause us to neglect the responsibility to continue to train our people as to why it is so. So we start with the assumption that the Bible is the Bible. So one of the things that uh, I say at our church all the time is I can't just say the Bible is the Bible for the Bible tells me so. I have to be able, if it's if it's the word of God, if it's, if it's, if it's God's word, and I should govern my life by it and get to know God through it. If that's what the Bible is, then it should be able to stand under scrutiny, under questions. Uh, and so we were kind of, some of us were raised that you don't even question it, don't even, but it should, it, it can stand up to the questions because it's the truth. <laughs> uh, so scientific questions, historical questions, uh, you know, archeological issues, where's this city? Uh, is it was it really there? And then we dig and find, yes, absolutely. It was there. And the only place in um, in historic literature that mentions it is is the Bible. And yet here it is uh, under the dirt. Uh, so those kinds of things are, are, are uh, the challenges we have to uh, address. Here are concrete reasons why you can trust the Bible. Um, here are concrete reasons why we believe it's the word of God based on these external proofs that God has given us to continue to give us uh, uh, trust in its veracity. Uh, that's the, I think that's the, I think that's the principal challenge. That's what I'm trying to do now with St. Mark. 
and uh, and those who are connected to us. That's awesome, and I think that's that's wonderful. Um, for those who have um, were raised in the black church and then left the black church and then went to different contexts and try to shade uh, uh-huh. and that still are connected to the black church and try to tell uh, people that go to black churches what to do and how they should improve. Um, so they're kind of outward on the fringes. They might be a part of new church movements or multi-ethnic spaces and they want to um, kind of shade or degrade the ways in which people that are in black spaces like um, yourself and I, um, how would you admonish them? Um, what ways um, would you share with them of ways that could be more constructive in their critique to help and not tear down? Well, I think, so this is a sensitive topic for me. I, I believe in multi-ethnicity and I am I celebrate those who achieve it well. I, one of the things I talk to our community about in, in terms of African-Americans is don't, don't follow a leader who wouldn't follow you in the sense that what we normally see is African-Americans drifting over to white spaces or predominantly white spaces. When we talk about multi-ethnicity, that's generally what we talk about. Um, And would that white church member or that white leader join a church that had a black pastor? Can they do that? Would they do that? That that's a that's a touchy thing for me, um, and so there is a there is a difference between being being allowed and being accepted. Mm. So you can be allowed to worship in their space and with their uh, um, uh, uh, teams and and sing their their songs, and I'm saying there in terms of the origin of it, um, but. Are you accepted? Is your culture, is your history, is your background accepted? Or do you have to completely assimilate to that type of worship style? Because God is a big God. And what is traditional in the African-American church experience is just as spiritual and holy and God honoring. Uh, Aligned him is just as holy and God honoring as CCM music. It's not... um, one is not holier than the other. Uh, so that's that. So when you talk about things like teaching and, and doctrine and theology, uh, the idea generally is that because of the emotion expressed in African-American worship experiences, and that's not true, mon- that's, not mon- uh, that's not monolithic either. Uh, there are some African-American worship experiences where there is no what we would call shouting and, and that kind of thing. Uh, because of the emotion expressed, it comes off as anti-intellectual. Uh, or it is perceived as anti-intellectual or it is degraded as anti-intellectual because people cry and shout and do those kinds of things. Uh, But that's just a lie. It's just flat out lie. Emotion does not negate intelligence. Um, There is no, um, there is no, there is no separation um, of, of force. It is not choose one or the other. I can be completely intellectual, biblically astute, doctrinally sound, and shout in the same service or in the same sermon. Mm-hmm. So, 
um, I, I think in terms of people's critique, I think, you know, and again, we can go down the a, a long trail in terms of how African-Americans have been trained historically to distrust one another, uh, to disrespect African-American leadership. Uh, you'll probably have a, a, a African-American pastor who's watching this who will relate to me when I say um, a person will be a, a, a critic and negative and a naysayer at a black church and then go to a white church and just to do whatever they want to do, never ask any questions and do, do those kinds of things. So that there shouldn't be a critique. The critique should be what we all should be asking about every church and every sermon. Is this the Bible? Is this, is this text in context that lifts the divine intent for that passage? Um, is worship God-centered? Is, is Christ being exalted? And whatever forms and shape that takes, um, you know, a style you you prefer does not make another style unspiritual or antiquated or outdated. And anyway, I think God gets glory out of all of that. When Amen. Done from the glory of God. Amen. Um, yeah, I agree. One shouldn't critique where they refuse to invest. Yeah. Um, <laughs> What um what things have you read that have been helpful to you in equipping your church? And what are some strategies for pastors that are are listening on ways that they ways that you've implemented um, apologetic into your ministry? And how would you advise them to do so? Right. So, um, in terms of, of strategy, let me start there. Um, I think deliberate dialogue around the specific issues uh, that, um, you know, I, I think when Paul writes uh, to address heresy, he directly addresses the heresy. Uh, when Jesus wants to, in the Sermon on the Mount, correct an errant interpretation and therefore application of the law, he says, you've heard it say it, but I say to you. Uh, so I, I think directly addressing them, uh, the, the her- heresies that we're hearing, um, the you know the things like Hebrew Israelites and uh, you know the woke uh, kind of uh, you know just pray to the ancestors you don't need Jesus kind of thing uh, directly addressing those things with uh, with the people you're responsible for you teach or you lead um, are are that's so important. The other thing that I'm finding is people have questions about these areas and they just want clarity. So I have a group of young adults that come up to me every Bible study. Uh, when I'm finished and RP, let's address this, talk about this, tell me more about this, give me a book about that. Uh, and I think those kinds of um, those kinds of conversations formally and informally just empower uh, people to be to the information they need to defend the faith. Um, so strategically putting um, resources in people's hands is another uh, great, um, great tool. So um, and you know, there are so many apologetic works that are, that are as it relates to specifically what we deal with in the African American community now. Um, I think um, uh, the, the I'm trying to think the exact name of this book, but it's the African Mind of Mark uh, talks about Mark's gospel and it's uh, it's 
uh, African origin as a in terms of thought. Um, that's extremely helpful uh, for most people. Um, um, is Christianity a white man's religion? Is a is another. Uh, of course, Eric Mason just released Woke Church and uh, that kind of stuff. So those those kind of works uh, are extremely helpful to give people just a flat basic the, the idea that Constantine invented Christ in three twenty five at Council of Nicaea. When we have three hundred years of Christian writings, <laughs> we. <laughs> have three we have them not speculation we actually have 300 years of writings about Christ's doctrine and, and belief and practice uh, of, of faith uh, so that the, that notion is is you know for us it's ridiculous but for other people um it's it, it's a, a major shakeup so so resources that address those kinds of things uh I had I, I brought some young adults to my library and showed them of my set of the anti-Nicene church fathers. Uh, and they said, so Pete, when you say you have the, the resources prior to Nicaea, <laughs> yes, they are actually here. We we have the writings. Uh, so uh, those kinds of things. Uh, and then d- depending on how deep a person wants to go, I, I, I recommend getting those. I tend to read the ancient sources for apologetics. Um, I tend to lean on those. So I, I think Augustine, I think uh, Tertullian, I think those, the, the church fathers, because again, if the idea is that Christianity is anti-African-Americans, then let's go back to the African persons who shaped Christian thought. And let's see what they had to say about Christ. And, uh, and so those are the resources I kind of, I kind of use and, 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 Send those to. That's helpful. Um, how would uh, people get in contact with you? Are you active on social media? I'm on social media. Uh, I am PL Pointer on Instagram and on Twitter. So PL uh, Pointer. And then on Facebook, I'm just Philip Pointer, Philip with two L's because that's the right way to spell it. <laughs> uh, and then, uh, you know, those are those are my. Uh, those are my social media uh, handles. You can email me at uh, plpointer at smark, S-M-A-R-K dot O-R-G, plpointer at smark dot org. That's my email. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Pointer. I greatly appreciate it. Lisa, thank you. It's been my joy. Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Jew 3 Project podcast. I hope you enjoyed this episode. You can tune into all our past episodes at www.ju3project.com. You can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play. Remember not only to subscribe, but also rate us. That helps us to gauge how we're doing and how you're enjoying the show. And it gives other listeners some ideas about the show as well. So thank you so much for tuning in. Also, remember, we have our Bible engagement app in partnership with Back to the Bible to help you get better engaged in the Bible every single day. You take a survey, it assesses your strengths and weaknesses and sends you Bible verses based on those. So it's a great app. You can download the app by searching in your app store or Google Play, searching Jude 3 Project, and it'll be right there for you. 
So thank you again. Remember, if you would like to become a monthly partner or a one-time giver, you can do so on our website or by mail. Just go to Jew3Project.com, hit that donate tab, and you'll see the option to mail in a gift or give online. We appreciate you, and I'm so, so thankful for you. God bless, and remember, here at the Jew3 Project, we're helping you to know what you believe and why you believe it.